It can be difficult to ask for help in regard to anything. Sometimes it can be a matter of pride. Perhaps you feel that the help is beneath you because you were forced to feel that you should be able to do it on your own. Maybe you do want help, but have no idea how to go about seeking it. In many cases, it is fear that holds us back. Fear of failure, fear of being ashamed, fear of the unknown, fear of what can happen, that or the fear of a resistant force in your life stifling your voice and your ability of expression. Any of these reasons can make anyone feel isolated from the world around them. And then we have a pandemic where we're forced into our small bubbles with very limited interaction and the world can just feel a whole lot smaller and darker. Just because the internet may be at many of our fingertips, that doesn't mean that we have the environment, tools, knowledge, and resources to fix the circumstances that we find ourselves in. A lot of people will sacrifice the conviction to change things for the better for the situation they are in because it is familiar. But change doesn't happen if you stay in the same place. There's a saying that Albert Einstein is credited in saying, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is insanity. But sometimes we need a little push or a nudge to get moving in the right direction. What it takes is asking the right questions and being observant. Admitting you don't know something and accepting that you need help are some of the best first steps you can possibly take. The pandemic has not been easy on many people. Since the pandemic, I've been back home with my parents. We've gone through a number of struggles this year, but in the end, I'm happy to say we are a loving unit that truly attempts to be there for each other. Some people aren't as lucky. The pandemic forced individuals into environments unequipped for their needs. One example, when everything shut down last March, I was still finishing up college. When you go away to college, you are often living in a dorm or a neighboring apartment and have the resources offered by the college to achieve success. But once that was stripped away, it became apparent how uneven the playing field was. Without the resources of the college, some people struggled to keep up with their education because of technology and even had an issue with food because they relied on the dining services. Another example is that people were trapped in strenuous and unsafe environments. Even if a situation wasn't inherently abusive, high stressors and overblown emotions can lead to exhausted and traumatized mental states. And for those who found themselves in abusive circumstances, probably felt they had nowhere to run, praying for some sign of the pandemic being over so they could escape their misery. It's an ugly truth, but it is the truth nonetheless. Regardless of the hardships I faced, I must acknowledge how lucky and privileged I am to have a family unit that loves and supports me. But I know too many people who do not feel that they have that. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Walsh Wednesday, The Reflective Series. A couple weeks ago, I talked with Amanda Wingle, the Campus Sexual Assault Coordinator with the Albany County Crime Victim and Sexual Violence Center. We discussed the role that the center plays in the Albany area, the importance of counseling, how people can seek help, and about their event, Take Back the Night, which is an international event with the mission of ending sexual, relationship, 
and domestic violence in all forms. Their event in Albany is simply one of hundreds of events that are held in over 30 countries annually, and I've been honored to have gotten to perform at their event for the past several years, and it's an honor to now share all of this with you today. All of that and more, right after this. According to Cancer.org, brisk walking can help you maintain a healthy weight, strengthen your bones and muscles, and improve your balance and coordination. It can boost your mood and help you sleep better. Research shows that getting regular physical activity and staying at a healthy weight can help reduce your risk of cancer, as well as heart disease and diabetes. You've heard me talk about my experience with cancer and the American Cancer Society in previous episodes, but I'm proud to say that the story continues. Walsh Wednesday has joined with the Relay for Life of the Capital Region campuses in affiliation with my alma mater, the College of St. Rose. The virtual event takes place Saturday, April 10th, 2021. You can donate or join our team, the Walsh Wednesday Warriors, at the links provided. Otherwise, you can also create your own team. If you do so, make sure to affiliate yourself with your college under the business selection. Another way you can support the team is by taking part of my Walking Wednesday Challenge. As spring is just around the corner, I've been enjoying getting back outside for a run or even just a brisk walk. I would love it if you joined me. While you're out on your walk, jog, run, or whatever exercise you're performing, regardless of the day, take a picture and use the hashtag WalkingWednesday and tag Connor Walsh Music and the American Cancer Society of the Capital Region. To re-emphasize a point that Nick Lippers made while he was on several episodes ago, the pandemic put a halt on research and awareness. So much of the momentum in regards to scientific and cultural breakthroughs were reduced, and much of the progress will be stinted for a while. Though the ways we approach our daily lives and events are still different, it does not mean that we can't find new ways to advocate and make the importance known. Not only is it important for the sake of research, but by supporting your local Relay for Life events, you are ensuring that they will survive through the pandemic and will continue to be around for years to come. Though Relay for Life is going to look different this year, let's spend some time to make sure that we can do it again. Hey everybody, welcome back. Right now I am talking with Amanda Wingle with the Albany County Crime Victim and Sexual Violence Center. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing well, Connor. How are you? I'm doing really good. It's really good to be back in contact with you. It's been a while. Now, for those of you who don't know, Amanda and I got into contact because of this little event called uh, Take Back the Night, which we'll talk about a little bit more later on. But everything that you do, at least that I'm aware of, and I'm sure I'm going to learn plenty more today with the Albany County Crime Victim and Sexual Violence Center, it's definitely something that's necessary and noble cause and definitely something that I think a lot of people need to be educated on, of course. It's just really great that what you're able to do for the Albany community. So I figured just open it up with what is your position? What do you do there? And can you give us like a general overview of what goes on at the center? Sure, absolutely. So um, again, the name of the center is the Albany County Crime Victim and Sexual Violence Center. Um, we usually abbreviate it CVSVC just for, um, just for ease. Um, and we're an agency here in Albany County that provides um, all different types of services to 
victims of all types of different crimes. And even though the name has sexual violence in it, uh, that's not that's not the only crime that we that we deal with. We also deal with anything from um, domestic violence to physical assault to even sometimes we've helped families of homicide victims. So it really does it really does run the gamut. So I think that's always important to put out there because uh, I think the name can be a little misleading sometimes just so everybody knows uh, we're not limited to just sexual assaults. But anyway, so the services that are available are counseling. We have trained trauma counselors at our agency and counseling is free to anyone who lives in Albany County who has been the victim of one of those crimes that I just mentioned or another similar interpersonal type of crime. For the St. Rose community, we partner with you guys on a lot of different things. So even if you had students um, or faculty who didn't technically live in Albany County, we still consider them to be Albany County residents for our purposes. So they would definitely be eligible for that counseling service. We also have a 24-hour sexual assault crisis hotline, which, which is a phone number um, anyone can call. Uh, maybe they need, just need somebody to talk to about something that happened to them, something that happened to a family member, or they, maybe they need us to point them in the direction of some community resources. So both of those are things that we do on the hotline. We also did just start an online crisis chat, which I'm really excited about. It allows our uh, clients to communicate anonymously with our counselors via an online, like an instant messenger, direct messenger type of format. So that's kind of new. Uh, we're still getting it off the ground, but one of the reasons we wanted to do that was because of the COVID pandemic, we, we knew that a lot of people were unfortunately trapped at home with an abuser and wouldn't be able to get on the phone. So we thought that like an online chat might be a little more doable for people. So that's kind of where that came from. And then in, in addition to those services, we have court advocacy. So if somebody decides that they want to pursue their case in the criminal justice system, which not everybody does, but if they do, we do have court advocates to help them through that process. We have case management services. So those would be uh, services for people that had uh, maybe perhaps more complex needs than just the crime that we're discussing. So if it was somebody that was also dealing with a housing problem or food insecurity or things like that, um, we have case managers that can kind of take on those more complex cases. We also do accompany people to the emergency room uh, when someone presents for sexual assault. So as soon as uh, the emergency room gets a survivor of sexual assault in the, in the ER, they call us and we send over an advocate to provide support and resources and things like that, which has also been challenging with COVID, as I'm sure, I'm sure you can imagine. Finally, what I do specifically is I work with the college campuses in the area. So I have relationships with about a dozen campuses here in Albany County, including St. Rose. And basically, um, what we do is we do a lot of uh, outreach and awareness education. So things like presentations to educate students about topics like sexual assault, domestic violence, what are their rights under Title IX, things of that nature. I'm also available for students who may be going through something personally and they are in need of services. And that could be either connecting them with my agency for the counseling services that I talked about, or it could also be that they need somebody on campus with them for some sort of Title IX disciplinary process. 
fun fact, you're always allowed to have an advisor of choice with you if you are going through the Title IX disciplinary process. So that's one of the roles that I'm also able to fulfill. Wow. Certainly a lot of hats going on there. A lot of hats being worn by Mm -hmm. you and those in the community. And that's really Mm -hmm. impressive to have. And you mentioned this decent amount already, but obviously 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic definitely put a halt and a hindrance on a lot of different things. How would you say that has affected, one, the operation of uh, the center, but also just the climate in general with what you're working with? The operation at the center has definitely changed. Um, We used to do pretty much all of our services in person, and now we've switched to do things either over the phone or by a secure video chat. So that's everything from counseling to survivors in the emergency room to anyone that I'm speaking with about a Title IX matter. Those things are all done remotely now. Um, we, We feel like we have a pretty good handle on it at this point, but it was definitely... You know, it was definitely tough figuring out all of the technology and everything. Um, As you can imagine, you know, we're dealing with a lot of confidential information. So it wasn't just as easy as like, oh, let's have a Zoom call. You know, we had to we had to find um, something that was very secure, HIPAA compliant, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So that, you know, that was challenging. But we think I think we have our ducks in a row on that one now. So that's good. Nice. So uh, from my understanding, the number of sexual assault cases that came into the hospital ER actually did not change that much from 2019 to 2020, um, despite COVID. So that's a good thing because it means that people are still going to the ER and getting, getting the care that they need. However, what has changed is the number of our advocates who have been able to respond to the hospital. So what I mean by that is that we used to respond to every case in person. So theoretically, our numbers should be the same as the hospital's numbers, right? But because we are doing everything virtually over the last year or so, there were some patients at the emergency room who did not want virtual advocacy, who didn't want to talk to an advocate over the phone or over video chat, which I can completely understand from their perspective. But the result of this was that we ended up being involved in far fewer cases than we were in the past, which is disappointing because the person doesn't get that in-person support in the hospital. And they also um, may not know about our services afterwards, although I I believe that the hospital does tell them about us, but you know, it's not the same as that in-person encounter. It's totally different that way because when it was more normal being able to be there at the hospital in person, that face-to-face interaction, that initial meeting makes so much of a difference in anything, just about anything. So here, somebody's in a case of vulnerability, and now it's a matter of here's a number or here's a link that you can reach out to rather than a handshake and be like, hi, I'm here to help. Absolutely. That's a whole different ball game. And I can imagine how much tougher that is from both sides. Absolutely. Well, I certainly wish we could have been involved in more cases. I can completely understand where clients are coming from with that because, you know, if I were in that position, I don't really know that I would be wanting to do a video chat at that time either. So it's scary. I, I, yeah, I completely, I completely get it, but it's just kind of, you know, an unfortunate side effect of COVID. Yeah. And that's a good reason why we're having this conversation right now to hopefully destigmatize some of that fear and disconnect that's going on because of the pandemic and the uh, the virtual advocacy rather than the face to face interaction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, is there any 
possible correlation or causation with, are, is there more counseling going on? Is there more people reaching out through these telecommunication ways? Has anything else gone up in just the avenues people can reach out to you? Um, it's honestly been a mixed bag. Uh, recently, we have seen an increase in requests for counseling, so that's okay. good. I, I'd say that that's probably what we're seeing the most of right now. The other thing we're seeing a lot of is domestic violence cases. Because unfortunately, domestic violence and child abuse have really increased during the pandemic because a lot of individuals are trapped at home with an abuser. Yeah, so, the isolation. Yeah, the isolation. You know, maybe they have a safety plan that they usually follow, and now they're not able to put that into practice. So that's definitely been really tough. TV is definitely on the rise. We see that uh, nationally as well. That's one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to reach out is because I've heard about st stuff like this on the news that rates are going up. With the isolation, it's tough. It was like, where do people go? What can people do? You brought up counseling and more uh, requests on counseling. And that makes me think, what would you say and recommend for anybody who should get counseling or is interested in counseling or anything like that? Could you highlight the importance of it? Because I feel like that's something that could be stigma in a way. It was like, do I really need that? Do I really want that? I don't need to talk to somebody that kind of wall and barrier some people put up. Can you right. uh, kind of talk about the importance and kind of break down that wall a little bit for some of the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I think counseling is a really important part of recovery for many survivors. I'm not going to say every single person, but um, I think that the majority really do benefit from it. What it usually looks like in our office is they would call and complete an intake over the phone with our clinical supervisor. And then from there, uh, they would be assigned to one of our therapists. Um, and then they would go on having, you know, regular appointments from there. So maybe every week or every other week. I think a really important thing to point out is that the clients really do guide the way with this. We know that these things are hard to talk about. So, you know, it's not like you walk in and we're like, okay, tell me what happened. Like, it's, it's not like that at all. Like, um, it's, it, there's a lot of relationship building that we, we hopefully get the survivor to the point where they do feel comfortable talking about it. Sometimes that point doesn't come right away or the counselor may not be the right fit for them. And that does happen. In that case, I would honestly encourage people to try again with a different counselor. The reason being, some people just click and some people don't. If you think about, uh, you know, people you've met in your classes or at work or wherever else, there's some people you'd probably want to be friends with and there's some people that you just don't hit it off with, right? So it's really the same way with the, with the um, client-therapist relationship. Um, it's finding somebody who's a good fit. No, definitely understandable. It's people working with people and, you know, just trying to find that connection uh, in any circumstance, as you said, like a classroom circumstance, you know, you hit it off or you don't. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also a tr uh, that trust value, building up that trust. Obviously, everybody that you're working with is trained and reliable, but finding the right person in the right space to find that said trust and easier said than done. But the uh, work that everybody's doing, the fact that you said, you know, not all, uh, but most, most people get something out of it. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that should be stressed and recognized because, you know, there are a lot of people who, especially with the pandemic, have gotten much more skittish. And uh, definitely the, the isolation has made people not so much fear saying anything, but it's like, they've been away from that contact from so long, it's harder to make that first step. Absolutely. 
Um, and you know, you, you brought up you brought up another good point with um, the trust and kind of finding right environment. One thing that people may not know is that any therapist or counselor or whatever you see, they're all going to have different areas of specialization. Um, and there are some who don't really have that background in trauma, um, which is not to say they're not wonderful therapists in other areas, but just that they're not specifically trained in that. Um, so that would be a reason that you would want to seek out an agency like ours so you were getting that really trauma-focused help. That's good to know. That's definitely not something I would have thought of off the top of my head. So that's good to know, letting, uh, letting everybody else out there understand that. Greatly appreciated. I think a lot of times people are afraid to reach out to agencies like mine because they're kind of afraid of the snowball effect. Like, if, you know, if I, if I start reaching out for help, is this going to turn into a situation where people are contacting the police? People, you know, people are doing this. I'm going to have to go to the hospital. And, you know, it's really, it's not like that at all. We want to meet people where they're at. And if they call and they just want to get advice one time, we're totally fine with that. If they do want to sign up for extended services, great. Um, but there's, there's zero pressure when you initially call to kind of, you know, forge any sort of lasting, lasting relationship. So if you are kind of looking to just test the waters or ask a question, um, that's, that's totally fine. And we hope that people will do that. The only probably little disclaimer I should give, and a lot of um, social work and other students will be familiar with this, but um, the only situations when we would have to involve law enforcement would be um, cases of child abuse or if there was a threat of imminent harm to somebody. Um, but other than that, um, we're not going to call law enforcement or contact somebody's school without their permission. When we return, Amanda and I will talk more about Take Back the Night, the event's significance, and how they are planning on presenting it this year. All that and more, right after this. Do It Again is here. Enjoy this anthem of nostalgia as it is now available on all main distribution platforms. That's right, you can stream it on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, all the works. And don't forget, you can include the song on your Instagram stories and reels along with your latest TikToks. Scotty C and I put a lot of depth and care into crafting this track. And after a year like 2020, there are probably a number of things that we still miss and wish we could do again. Keep staying smart and safe, and though nothing will go back to exactly the way it was before, perhaps we can pave a better future. In the meantime, whenever you're getting sentimental or just need a new song to rock out to, check out do It Again by Scotty C, featuring me, Connor Walsh, and don't forget to check out our music video, Shot by Rachel D'Amico. You can find all these links in the description of this podcast. As I mentioned before, the uh, way that we got in contact initially was this event called Take Back the Night, which... Yes, um, yes. I had I, I had the honor to uh, perform at a couple times. Thank you very much for those opportunities. Yeah, thank you. It was a fantastic experience seeing so much of the community come together like this. And one thing that I could get out of it was whether you felt alone, you weren't feeling alone that day. Because my gosh, how many people were there for support and that, uh, people who were there just to rally on whether they had been personally affected or not. There was just so much love going on uh, those mm -hmm. days. And I absolutely loved it. So could you tell us a little bit about Take Back the Night and 
what things have looked like in the past versus what things are looking like now? Generally speaking, uh, Take Back the Night is an event to raise um, awareness of sexual violence and also to provide support for sexual assault survivors or family and friends, like you were kind of mentioning. And the way that ours generally looks is we have a, what we call a pre-rally in the beginning, which is when you performed. And during that time, uh, there's different tables from various community agencies set up so people can walk around and get to know the different resources in the community. Um, another really key piece is a survivor speak out, which is when we usually have, it's usually a pretty small number, um, but a small number of survivors who are willing to share their story. I think that's really one of the most powerful parts of the evening. Telling your story is not an easy thing to do. So the fact that there's people out there who do have the courage to share their story, and a lot of them are doing it because they hope it will benefit somebody else, that's really amazing. It's really, it's really indescribable. We've also had individuals uh, share, like similar to you, like they share a talent like dance or slam poetry. So we've had various performers of those things as well. And then uh, the kind of the final part of it is we do a march all around the Lark Street, Washington Park area. It's basically a march to protest sexual violence and raise awareness in the community. After that, everybody comes back together and we have a really nice candlelit vigil to kind of close out the evening. So that's kind of the, the general flow of things. One thing that we've done in the last couple of years that I really loved is we've had students and people in the community write uh, notes of support to survivors, um, and then they're available for survivors to take, you know, in the event. So that's one of my favorite things uh, at the event that we've done recently. I remember um, seeing that all hung up. That was really yeah. cool. That was neat. Mm -hmm. It was. It was It was really cool. Um, and we've also had uh, the clothesline project in the past. I don't know if you had a chance to see that, but yeah, um, it was basically, it's basically like all the uh, different t-shirts that survivors have decorated however they want. So that's another really cool aspect of it. As you can probably tell, you know, it's been a really in-person community-based event in the past. We usually hold it at Washington Park in the Lake House. Um, but because of COVID, we didn't get to have it last year, unfortunately. We didn't really have much time to put something together virtually because by the time everyone kind of, you know, left because of COVID, it was already late March and the event is in April. So like we were pretty much all ready to go with in-person events. So, you know, at that point it was difficult to translate that. But this year we are hoping to do virtual events. Um, yay, right? So, yeah. so some of those might be things like um, we might do movie screenings if there's a, a video that's related to like sexual assault, um, do a video screening and have a discussion afterwards. Um, you know, we might have survivors share their stories. We'll probably do a social media campaign where individuals can post various statistics and facts on their own on their own social media pages for awareness. Um, and we certainly would welcome performers like yourself back as well, but it'll just be virtual this time. No, understandable. And it, it really comes with the versatility of the time. Obviously, it's not the preferred thing. You know, this is something you want to be in person. You want to feel that connection. However, you know, at least we have things like here we are on Zoom and we have social media and, you know, it comes with its drawbacks. But when it comes to community building, and things along these lines to make people feel they're not alone and to really raise the awareness like this, it is a huge asset. 
So I'm glad to see that things are being worked out to make this all possible. Are you looking to do this again around the uh, March-April timeframe or how are you guys looking to timeline this? Do you know yet? April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month, so I know it will definitely be during April. Um, right now I'm kind of looking at the middle of the month um, because my understanding is that a lot of college students are wrapping up their final exams like last week in April, first week in May. Yeah. Um, so, you know, to, in order to have as much college student participation as possible, we'll probably want to have it um, before that time. So probably sometime in the middle of April. Understandable. But no, that's really, really good. So Amanda, thank you so much for coming on to this. I think this has been very educational for a lot of different ways and reasons. Before we wrap this up, how can people, first of all, we talked a little bit about the helpline for those wanting to seek help. But besides seeking help, how can people also get involved? I guess two questions there. How can people reach out for themselves and how can people reach out to get involved? If people are reaching out to get support for themselves or for a friend or a family member, they can dial our phone hotline, they can access our online chat. Um, people are also welcome to reach out um, to me at our office number, which is a different number than the hotline number. We're working remotely a lot now, so you might not get an answer right away, but somebody will call you back. Um, so those are all ways that uh, somebody could reach out. As far as getting involved, we do have a volunteer program. Our volunteers um, help us tremendously. I don't know what we would do without them, and I'm so grateful for them. But what they typically do is they answer the sexual assault hotline, and they go to the emergency room to provide that support and those resources to survivors. They also uh, usually do help us with events like Take the Night. So our volunteer program is really wonderful. It's really active right now. We have a ton of volunteers, which is wonderful. Uh, but we're always looking for more. So if that's something people are interested in, uh, they'd certainly be welcome to call our office for that as well. Very, very neat. And uh, glad to have those opportunities for people to get involved. I know that there's a lot of passionate people that are trying to find a niche and where they want to help out. And uh, hopefully, maybe after this podcast, you might get one or two more volunteers. That would be amazing, right? I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be nice. Regardless, I hope everything keeps looking forward. Everything uh, looks positive for the future for you guys. I look forward to hearing about everything going on in April. So that, that should be excited. I'll keep my eyes and ears out about all that. But um, for anybody who's interested, check out the links in the description so you guys can uh, learn a little bit more. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Connor. It was great. Yeah, not a problem. As always, I'm Connor Walsh and I'm glad we get to spend some time.